Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. How cool is this all-female podcast? Yeah. <laughs> Go you. Here is a moment in time in the history of the AFL. In from the side, Houghton. She was surrounded by blue jumpers. Bounced on its point, wow. The fates, the gods are with the gods. studio. We're in the studio. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Outer Sanctum for another week. I'm Emma Race and I'm joined today, as always, by the woman formerly known as Celine Dion. It is Dr. Kate Sia. How are you? I'm good. I'm actually known as Symbol now. <laughs> Thanks, love Symbol. Yeah. And the woman known as Pineapple, Felicity Rupert Grace. How are you? I was about to call you Felicity, your former surname. I am the artist formerly known as. Exactly. Yes. Hello. Hello. Hi. That How makes two of us. I don't know why I'm a pineapple though. Because you're wearing a bright yellow shirt. Oh, that no, knucklehead. I'm, yeah, I'm in high vis. Hello, Lucy Race. Oh, well, hello, Emma. Well, hello. <laughs> Is there going to be We don't have enough musical theatre. We don't have enough musical theatre in this podcast. I'll That's allow true. singing from you, but not from you or you. <laughs> Nicole Hayes, how are you? Now that I've had my morning kafifi, I'm feeling great. <laughs> Oh, brilliant. Peak moment. I've been sitting on that all morning. That's actually excellent work. You can shut up for the rest of the pod now. We Your have, work is done. We have an apology from Alicia sometimes who is pumped full of drugs for a virus that she seems to have contracted whilst away. So apologies from her. Uh, reflections on the round that was, let's kick it off with one almost pre-final siren goal from one Mr. Jared Ruffin. I know we're biased on this podcast and we try not to be. We try not to do too much Hawthorne content. But to me, it was absolutely amazing and really emotional. I felt so emotional watching that. I read a tweet from Daniel Cherney from The Age who said that it was basically, you know, very close to a year to the day that Ruffy was diagnosed with cancer for the second time. Um, obviously it would have been very painful for Swans fans, but for me as a Hawthorne supporter, I can't imagine anything more moving <laughs> than seeing Ruffy kick the winning goal. And it made me remember that there are some moments that are almost, I know it's really cliched to say this, but there are some moments that are almost bigger than the game that transcend the game. And many years ago, I remember watching Jason McCartney come back after mm. he'd been a victim mm. in the Bali uh, bombings and play that one game. He had a couple of crucial plays. Mm. He kicked that goal. It was a really close match and they won. And then he immediately announced his retirement on the field. He did. He went and put his boots in the centre circle and he walked did. off. Yeah. And oh. that was just to me like another example of an absolutely unforgettable moment in footy that 
uh, was extremely powerful. I felt like, I know I'm a bit biased, but I just mm. felt like that about Ruff. It was wonderful. A lot of people feel like that about Ruff. He's pretty special. You don't have to be a Hawthorne mm. fan to see that. Mm. So let's go to his non-biological mother to find out how she <laughs> felt about it. Lucy Race. Well, I'd just come off uh, walking 62 kilometres because it was actually 62, not 60. <laughs> and I was a bit delirious. And to watch the end of that game was just magic. What I would like noted is that Ty Vickery actually kicked that pass. Aww. Both your so boys. my badges are coming home. <laughs> Strong badge game. So if anyone wants to send me some badges to wear, I'll have a little chat to them. If anyone needs a little bit of a help, I'm happy to do it. But I loved seeing uh, that meant a lot. You could see that that meant yeah. a lot to Ruffy and I think it meant a lot to the team and watching them all get around him and get around each other at the end. The other thing I loved was Bergwijn's game. I thought that was mm. an extraordinary game. And, oh, and, and a little Buddy guy named Frank. Buddy. Oh, yeah. my Buddy. God. Sorry. That was absolutely magnificent wow. to watch. Yep. The two number 67s just had yep. cracking games yeah. and it was beautiful to watch. Yeah, I am um, perpetually just so f- fond forever of Buddy. I love yeah. him. And whether you're a Hawthorne supporter or a Sydney supporter, I think that's one of those things. That, that's why mm. you watch footy, to see yeah. a game like yeah. that, a player yeah. that is just spectacular A once-in-a-generation player, yeah. no way around it. Yep, no, absolutely. Did you have any marked at the highest point? There was some oh, traction on Twitter. Of... You've been getting a lot of traction <laughs> on Twitter for earworming people with um, marked at the highest point. Was there I anything have... that was brought to your attention? Have... Oh, there were a few long legs on the weekend. Uh, <laughs> was there any games of two halves? There... there was a bit of, actually, there was a bit of tweeting last night about the state of origin in the NRL because there was a lot of discussion in the commentary about how it would be a game of two halves and as it turned out it was a game of, of two halves uh, <laughs> rather, than two. Three, rather than three or four. Any inconsistency in rule? Yeah, I mean th- well there was the stuff around the uh, deliberate rush behind. Rush behind. At that dream time. Yeah, in the dream mm. time game. Uh, one, one thing is, you know, that I noticed how so many of the games on the weekend were really close finishes. It was actually quite unusual in a sense. Mm. There was the uh, pa- Paddy Dangerfield mm. kicking things off on Thursday night with that goal and then Ruffy and then the close game in the Dreamtime game, the GWS West Coast game. But the deliberate rush behind is what <sighs> was the real talking point. And I must say I find, I find it quite bizarre when I hear discussions, including from officials in and around the AFL, about what what rule we're enforcing this week. Yeah. Mm, yeah. And it's sort of impl- like, does this mean... It feels that- like rule of the week. <laughs> yeah. It's like mm. a special, it's like veal schnitzel <laughs> or whatever, right. like whatever the well, chef special it, is. Wasn't... This week no one was allowed to jump a punch. Yeah, oh, that's that right. Jumper yeah. punching was the rule of but the week. But didn't they actually say a few weeks, one of the umpires, I can't remember who it was, I think it was against Toby Green, was saying, yes. you know, we're watching that had this week. Yeah, we've yeah. had our eyes on you. Well, You've been doing this a lot. That's right. What it reminds me of is... It seems very weird. What it reminds me of is, you know, when you're sort of out driving and you see those signs, those um, temporary signs that come up that say, police now targeting drink driving. Because yep. oh, yep. they weren't. Before. And I, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh, jeez, you know, I was hammered last night when I was driving home and uh, lucky I didn't, you know. Does Did... that mean that I can talk on my phone and I can speed, but just as long as I'm not pissed? Is mm. that... And I don't think that that's what's happening. I think the police are policing all of the rules. But in the AFL, I feel like they're not. I feel like when they say this week we're targeting jumper that's punches. That's really all they're yeah. doing. I, I don't know why. I've just tried to say and like just to clarify, that Kate was not hammered driving home last no, night. No, I'm never this hammered driving home. No. I did laugh when you said no, pissed, not... though. Something about that terminology <laughs> coming out of your mouth Gold seemed Coast. really strange. It's the Gold Coast in <laughs> What I'd like to say, though, about that deliberate rush behind rule is that, again, it's one of those things that comes down to a subjective interpretation and I think that's a really tough ask for 
umpires. Mm, so yeah. they were saying it was a free kick because he wasn't under pressure. Like, now, <laughs> how can you tell when you're going hammer and tongs and you know someone's right behind you? Yeah. He didn't have rear view mirrors. No, so he but can't I think, see how far behind he is. I, I think in fairness, the rule is that you have to be mm. under actual pressure, not perceived so someone's pressure. someone's actually touching you. But there's an incentive. There's an incentive for the player behind you to pull up because exactly. the other guy doesn't know. You pull yeah. up, he still thinks he's under pressure, but he's no longer under actual pressure. It's just yeah. now so becomes a box. But he's so not going to even know that. And also, it's less interesting to watch. I'd much yeah. rather see someone dive for him. Like, I'd much rather see them both tackle or aim for that ball and really fight to death well, it, to get to stop get it going to the over point or touch where they it. both go run up to the ball and stop, stop and go, <laughs> you touch it, yeah, you no, touch no. it. That's what I think is going to happen. Exactly. But this is where the rule has a kind of perverse um, set of unintended consequences, I think, and why it probably needs to be looked at. You know, the other big controversy of the week was the countdown clock. Yes. Oh. Because that was the, you know, after we'd recorded last week's podcast and this whole idea mm. that when the, the clock counts down to zero, you know, these players came in and tackled it. And for some reason there was this outrage, like people saying, there should have the clock didn't start yeah, at the, the right time, and yeah. you should be able to lie on the ground for as long as you like, and it should only start when you <laughs> stand up. up. And all the Port fans thought they were completely robbed. I think in that yes. Geelong match, it just I, I think the thing that's you know the consistent theme with all of these is it, it's more about the umpire measuring the performance of the acting performance of the completely player rather agree. than actually mm. the the game or what they're doing. So as long as they look like they're doing something, that's all that matters. And I and yeah. I, I don't feel like that's meant to be their so main maybe skill. instead of a free kick they should award three stars or Or a Oscar. Can I just say if there's going to be if they're going to persist with this idea of you know rules of the week this week we're targeting this can they target holding the ball this week? Oh please. That's the best most important yeah Yeah. it's the best and most important part of the game I love it. it. When intention becomes one of the criteria for (laughs) actually policing a rule that becomes that's a gray area right mm. there mm. and of course so as you said like i keep seeing this with these rule changes especially with the deliberate out of bounds is that for every action there is a reaction yeah. so i don't Thanks, know if Einstein. they think about the consequences <laughs> and of e tightening. equals mc squared <laughs> okay i'll shut up now my hovercraft is full of eels what did you think dusty martin played an absolute cracker yeah he did, did. and caro got some heat for not awarding votes to him, but it was weird because I just think that's a really personal thing. Yeah. I don't want to go in in defence of Caro again. I mean, she is winning the footy tipping. And we love her. And yeah. so, really, I mean, scoreboard. But, yeah. like, <laughs> when people <laughs> love Caro to just do an article that says, scoreboard. Yeah. <laughs> I'm coming first. I just, uh, what did you think about the Dusty? Gets, I don't know. It just uh, For me, it just gets a bit boring when um, you've got the same old people bringing kind of personal stuff into it and saying like questioning her integrity and saying that she may be biased or and just you know kind of throwing a little bit of you know heat her way but nothing that can really be substantiated mm. I think judging subjective so mm. like it's just going to be that way and Koch and deserved three votes she gave him three votes yeah, like we could argue about why everyone else didn't give him three votes well defending herself she said Dustin Martin's one of my favorite players mm. and I was like oh yeah, I feel like that's problematic that you just yeah. said that. But but is, is that okay? But don't think that. it's a reality. Is that there is bias, right? So sometimes I can watch a player do almost identical to another player, and you know, a piece of play that I really admire. I admire it more because it is attached to the player I like. You can't help that. So, in the same way that it is potential that the people who love Dusty Martin, he gets a better run 
in the eyes of the judges because he's exciting to watch. It doesn't mean he had a greater impact. But it's also too about what you value in a game. And uh, you're right, Lucy. I mean, it's, it's inherently subjective. It's always going to be subjective. But, you know, if you think about, for example, the year that Cyril Rioli won the Norm Smith medal, he didn't have the most possessions on the game. And I have friends who I've, you know, probably we all have chatted about who we thought should have won that day. I feel Cyril should have won that medal because it's a game changer. he had the biggest impact on the game yeah. when the game was in the balance. But other people would say, well, no, that's not the test. The test is who has a consistent performance across th- – there are four quarters. Yeah, because you don't get <laughs> you to know? that point of impact in a game unless all the other boxes that, have been checked before right. you get so, there. you know, this, this is a perennial debate, but I do feel yes. that Caro is consistently targo- targeted in part. Targeted. Targeted. Did you just targo... Nicole? Nicole's confeffy something as well. No, I'm confeffing again. No, just to go back to the bias thing, though, do you remember that was a running joke that a redhead couldn't win the brown low? Like that... It was there was something no. about being blonde that meant you got more votes in the brown line. It, it just it catches your eye. There are players and the performance. There's, it's always What's been subjective. It's debate. my biggest yeah, well, the midfielder a versus a backman, like yeah. that a defender yeah. can't win. Like Alex Rand exactly. is extraordinary. Mm. And yes. as someone who played goalkeeper for their whole netball career. Mm. Big shout defenders. out to Norwood yeah. Primary yeah. School. Shout out to defenders. <laughs> it's invariably biased is what Let's it comes down Let's move on because you're boring me now. <laughs> <laughs> Lucy, have you got some um, wrap-up of the AFLW trade? Taylor Harris went to Carlton last week and one of you sent me a congratulations. And I have to admit, when I read the news, I was like, damn you, Carlton, you get everything. And then you Felicity said, congratulations, Em, you got Taylor Harris. I was like, what? Oh, yeah, that's right, I go for Carlton. <laughs> Wow. Sorry. That's Have I lost the plot? Maybe a little bit. Um, no, that's, I think that's the big news that Taylor Harris ended up in Carlton. That meant that Bianca Jacobson has actually ended up at Melbourne. So I think Melbourne have done quite well out of it. There's been a few teams. Um, the Crows and Fremantle didn't really do much in the trade week. But in some happy news, so this news goes out to a listener who got in touch with us on Facebook, um, Georgina Carson, who is a Fremantle supporter. Here's the, some Frio love. Frio has some good news in the free agency period. So they've picked up Kelly Gibson, who mm. was the Crows marquee player, and also Alex Williams from GWS. Um, so there's been a little bit of changing around. The Lions have actually done quite well. They've got Bella Eyre and Nat X on of both mm. come over from Carlton and they're both fantastic players and they've also re-signed a lot of their other key players including Sabrina and Caitlin Ashmore. The Magpies probably will be looking to the draft to try and get some more talent in. Mm. Not that they're not talented, but they lost their first and second best and fairest and Jamie Lambert's gone over from the Bulldogs. And in that Frio good news story, um, that's where you said, is that, is that where Kelly Gibson's gone? I think she's actually going to be a potential W winner down the track. Yes. I think she's actually that an extraordinary mm. player. So mm. it'll be interesting to see. Um, also a big one for Benny McGlynn. Oh, yes. <laughs> Just a blast from the past. So I love Benny B- McGlynn. I think back in the day, well, when <sighs> this is a long story. I, I won't <laughs> tell it long. But Felicity and Emma and I have a way of trying to remember the names and numbers of footballers. And Benny McGlynn, when he played for Hawthorne, wore number 21. And Emma's birthday is on the 22nd. So in trying to remember that he was 21, <laughs> our little thing to remember was it's McGlynning to look a lot like birthday. 
Oh, I think we've said too much. Did we jump, Such just jump the shark? an outing of our minds. Yeah, that's how our minds work. Just I'm anyway, talking, just I talk think over your minds have been going. outed already. But yeah. the thing, I've, I always, I loved Ben McGlynn. I was very sad when he went to Sydney, and I was even sadder when he missed out on playing mm. in their grand final, in their premiership yep. winning team um, because of his hamstring. But he's going to be playing for my local club, Surrey Park Panthers. This weekend, get. which is wow. massive. Yeah, so that's huge. get down to Surrey Park. Um, yeah. Now, in other news, I know that we are um, the number one ticket holders for the Box Hill Hawks women's team, which is, you know, probably my proudest moment and yours too. I would, I'm would, i just going to put it right Absolutely. out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and Hawthorne have said that they are going to put in application for an AFLW licence. It's been met with some conjecture on Twitter and I just wanted to say we won't say too much because obviously we are parochial supporters of this team we think it's fantastic news we know a lot of the work that Hawthorne's been doing behind the scenes again not something that we're going to um, reveal here you know we're not going to chest beat too much about it but I will say this that there was some criticism of Hawthorne that we copped pretty um, harshly when licenses were going in and people were saying oh you must be so disappointed of your club because they haven't put in a license for a women's team how arrogant and you know attach all the other superlatives that people want to attach to Hawthorne. Um, And now there's some criticism that they are putting in a (laughs) licence. So I just wanted to say that we're thrilled and we think it will be a great application and we're looking forward to a really healthy competition. And there were some surprises for us when, you know, other teams got Mm -hmm. licences in the first instance, but it's been a fantastic and a really well put together competition. So we're looking forward to everyone putting in a licence and seeing where... And maybe, maybe we could leave, you know, if people have biases about clubs based on men's teams, it, it's kind of nice if that doesn't also touch women's teams. I think the thing that I've really loved is that we've been able to get around women's teams for clubs that we might not necessarily like because it's kind of a fresh... Is um, If Hawthorne comes out with an AFLW and Emma's already a Carlton in that AFLW, mm. does that mean you're going to be a team changer, Emma? <laughs> Quite possibly. We talked a lot about team changes this week. Mm, we <laughs> did. Yeah, we did. Mm. We so we put that. out a, a little video for you all, just with some thoughts of ours on team changing. <laughs> and gee, we loved seeing your feedback. Thank you, lovely people out there. But we really posed the question this week of when is it okay to change teams? And I think based on feedback, we've really drilled it down to there's probably three or four circumstances where it's okay. Yeah. If you get drafted to play for that team, correct. If you change teams before the age, before your fifth birthday, yes, you have up to the age <laughs> of was five. Was yes. someone's rule? Um, yeah, Sam Virgo, who does play for Brisbane in the AFL Women, she did say it's okay to change teams if you get drafted to one. And, so and if your team to... leaves the state that in which you live, or it's gone through a massive overhaul, like if you're a, we're a Fitzroy or supporter or, or, swans or, whatever, or something, yeah. um, I wanted to do a big shout out to Jake Pirate, who on Instagram said, "Look, I chose Carlton. I came to the country. I made." A quick decision. I chose Carlton. I have some regrets. And then he said, "But I've made my bed." <laughs> I, I do so much respect for that. From another country, you might not speak. You know, speak the football language straight away. I reckon you get two chances. That's like, a there's a backup point. if okay. you come as an adult, even if you're not five. A two chance rule is fair two enough. Chance. I also want to shout out to another listener who said that she had bribed her child. <laughs> um, he said he was going to change away from North when he was in Kinder, and I told him I'd give him fifty bucks to stay. <laughs> um, he, I think he's now about seventeen or eighteen. She said he's now still sometimes mentions that I owe him money, but he's loyal now, so I've got him. 
Katie? I must confess that um, I grew up in rugby league territory and I changed teams when I was young. I originally went for the Belmain Tigers, like many kids that I went to school with did, and then they lost the 88 and 89 grand finals back-to-back. So I had an interesting experience because Hawthorne had won those two grand finals. I had a lot of success in the AFL, but um, they lost both in the in the NRL, and I was just so heartbroken. I remember an 89 grand final, which went into, I think, double overtime, and they lost. I sat on the couch with my Belmain footy socks on and a Belmain jumper, and I put my head in my jumper. I was about 10 or 11, and I just cried and Aww. cried. And I said to my mum, I can't bear to go for them anymore, and so I changed teams and went for St George because of the heartbreak. I wonder wow. if a lot of people do that. Wow. You know, St Kilda fans who, who lost that those says a lot about your character. It well, does. It shows that I'm a sore loser. You're a sore loser yeah. and you only like to be also in the, the A-team. You're a quitter. quitter. Yep. She also remembers high, high expectations that you require both teams from both codes to go back <laughs> to back or you are not happy. Before we move on, I just wanted to also shout out to someone else on Instagram who gave us a window into people's character like yeah, you quitters, Kate, said quitters. someone I know doesn't trust Bill Shorten because he changed teams apparently such turn coterie is on a par with treason in it <laughs> right up there <laughs> in it uh, now Alicia's not here but Nicole she did leave us a little gift she did um, lovely Alicia I hope you're feeling better kiddo I caught her kiddo again it's twice today it's very odd can we just cut that no no <laughs> say it again uh, Alicia was in Wangaratta last week teaching at Galen's Catholic College and spoke to a bunch of the girls there about footy. Wangaratta is the spiritual home of Darcy Vessio, who played for Wurruli when she's starting out. And the Alpine Lions are an all-girls footy team with ages from 12 to 17. The team supported and based at the Wurruli Football Netball Club. Alicia had a great time there. And this is an interview she did with Sarah Garrig and Eliza Moore about their experiences playing in such a great club. This is kind of weird because I'm at Galen Catholic College and I'm in a storeroom with two amazing women. Tell me who you are. Hi, my name's Sarah Gehrig. I'm from the Ruralia Alpine Lines. Hi, my name's Eliza Moore and I'm from the Ruralia Alpine Lines as well. Tell me a little bit about your team and what you play. We have a team of 28 girls that play football. And our coach is Scotty Reeb, and he does a really good job of teaching us what we need to learn to play football. So we have six teams in our comp, and the top four make finals. Oh, I got concussed on the weekend in Yarra. <laughs> when I was getting tackled, I hit my head on the ground. I play centre-half forward or, yeah, anywhere in the forward area. So what's the camaraderie like in the team? What's that mean? <laughs> yeah, we get along with each other like pretty well. We have a good laugh with each other. Have you always wanted to be a footy? Yeah, I like footy. I started playing footy when I was four and played Oz Kick. And then once I finished Oz Kick, I moved to Perth and did Oz Kick over there. And I moved back to Wang and then stopped playing until this year? Well, I grew up playing... Our family played footy and my second cousin was in the AFL, so we learnt heaps of footy from him. And I played Auskick and when I finished that, I stopped playing because I was told I couldn't play anymore. And then when I found out about the girls' footy team, I joined that. 
How old is a footy team? 12 to 18. And then there's an open age one after that. And what does it mean, the AFLW? I think it's a great idea that they've started making it a bigger thing. I used to go to the footy and I enjoyed it, but I always wanted to be able to, like, get on the field and kick a footy around, but all I was able to do was kick the footy in the backyard with my brother. But, yeah, I think it's a really good idea that they've started AFLW. I think it's a very good opportunity for the girls that have the talent to be able to play up in that level of football. Has anything surprised you? The things that surprised me the most is how big the turn-ups are getting, like how many people came to the grand final and just to all the games. Any heroes in the AFLW? Uh, Darcy Vessio. She's a legend. She's good at all sports, like tennis. Did the club talk about her? When she wasn't allowed to play footy anymore, she joined netball and would run water for the boys at the club. So she was always involved with it. And so, yeah, that's really good. Where are you on the ladder? I think we're fourth at the moment. Our midfield, I reckon, are our strengths. The people that sit on the bench do a pretty good job too. (laughs) Yeah, we have a lot of fast runners that can help get the ball around and a lot of good strong kicks that can put a ball through the goals and just defend for the other side. The defence is pretty good on our side, I reckon. We're very strong in defending end. Who's the team to beat? Yarra. Wodonga. Wodonga. The Wodonga Raiders is a very strong team. Our rivalry, uh, Felines, Murray Felines, which we play on the weekend, will be a good game. What do they do? Like, what are they? They've been on the top for a while, or? Oh, I think it's just more because we're all kind of friends with those girls because they're like a. It's a different kind of like Coral or Wang side, kind of thing. So there's a few Wang girls in there that we're like friends with. What do you hope to get out of footy? My dream since I was little was to be a footy player, but I started going off that idea when. I realised that I wasn't able to be that, or if I was, I wouldn't be able to have a job out of it. Um, But now that it's becoming, like, a big thing again, that would be an amazing thing to do when I'm older. But, yeah, it's just really fun to play. Um, I think it would be an amazing opportunity to be able to play AFLW in front of so many people. And if I get to that opportunity to be able to play the grand final and win that. Is there anything you'd say to your favourite players? I just thank them for trying to, like, make it a bigger thing. So, like, when they're getting too old to play, then there's the next generation that look up to them um, because they've made a push to make it a thing. Thanks for pushing it. So there is that next level of ability in time for us to play up higher. So 
you know the games have been really close and it's because Equalisation is the big winner and Gil McLaughlin's probably staying at home, you know, kissing his guns and punching the air and, you know, <laughs> saying, look at me, that's amazing, look what I've done. No one knows who's going to win the grand final. And the countdown clock is a big one for knowing, you know, you can check the countdown clock mm. and look at it and think, gosh, have we got it or haven't we? Is there enough time left? But back in the day when we were little girls, and I'm not going to sing McGlinning to look like my birthday again, but we used to have our own kind of countdown clock or litmus test about whether we could still win. And it was called, can we still win dad? (laughs) Where the three of us, three little voices in, you know, three little girls in Hawthorne jumpers and what would have been Nunawadding netball skirts underneath probably would look up at our dad at Prinny Park or out at Waverley and go, can we still win dad? And if he'd say, it's not enough time, buddy, or he'd say, yeah, I think we can, buddy. It actually was what we would live and die by. And I was thinking there should be an app. It's like a magic eight ball that becomes <laughs> your parental you know, oracle. advisory or oracle at the football. So basically an AFL app that <laughs> comes up with the likelihood, <laughs> kind of like when it says the percentage of whether yes. or not you can kick can that goal back, that press it in a time of stress, can we still win, Dad? They should put it up on the scoreboard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What do you think? I like it. I'm, I'm, just, like it. I'm just brainstorming yeah. some money-making <laughs> like you know, yeah. concepts for the AFL. Well, you're the app maker. Em, go for it. Yeah, I, made I, would, I would quite like an adult sort of opinion app for lots of parts of my life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where I look around going, I really need a grown-up here. Oh, heck, yeah. I am the grown-up. these shoes go with this skirt Dad. kind of stuff? Dad. You just take a photo of that and send it to Lucy. <laughs> I will. I will. Anyway, um, we've got something really exciting to talk about. It's rainbow goodness in here today to help us get excited about the upcoming VFL Women's Pride game in Hamilton between Melbourne Uni and the Darabin Falcons is the president of the Falcons, fresh from the Falcons Nest, Alicia Leonard, and joining her is prolific flag flyer for inclusion, lover of bulldogs and Instagram sensation, Miss Annie Nolan. How are you, girls? Great. Yeah, pretty good. Thanks for having us. (laughs) Thank you for coming in. Now I'm going to start with you, Annie. We have admired your Instagram for so long your voice as a whole because it is a really inclusive voice and you have so much empathy and compassion and we've all been wowed by it because you really seem to be fighting this fight with your solo voice and doing such a beautiful job of it what makes you so compassionate and so empathetic to be an advocate for so many different beautiful people um, I, gosh, that's really nice. <laughs> Thank you. I feel like the smoke has just been going right up me then. Um, yeah, like I actually don't think my opinion is too different than lots of people. I just, um, I'm lucky enough to have lots of people listening, um, actually. And, um, I definitely do try and make it very inclusive because lots of the things I talk on, I am not affected by. And so, I love hearing other people and their voices and giving them, um, you know, sharing the platform. I often say that I'm just sometimes the person setting up the microphone to hand over to let people that don't often let you have their voices heard speak into the microphone. So, and I really enjoy it. Like, I don't know, I think like empathy and compassion is probably the biggest qualities that I try and install in my children. I don't really care if they end up being footy players or anything like that I just that's my number one and yeah I'm just really honoured to talk to people. Alicia obviously the Darabin Falcons have been at the forefront of all of the news items to do with AFLW which has just been you're a powerhouse let's just put it out there (laughs) right okay and um 
So with the AFLW, we saw a huge influx of diverse people playing footy, which is the first time we've really seen people who are proud and out or um, all sorts of different um, stories that they brought to the game. From a club perspective, having a pride game, what does that do amongst the club? And we should just say that you are proudly married to your wife, not legally in this country, but in another country. So what does that do for sporting clubs and and for your sporting club? I guess firstly, I just want to say how proud I am of our club and Melbourne Uni that we're taking part in this amazing event. I think the pride space is different in female footy um, and female sport in general when compared to men's. And for us, it's been, it's always been a really inclusive space and we're proud of that. And in fact, female footy was born out of women having a desire to play a really physical sport, um, which was largely unaccepted by society until recently. <laughs> so by nature, it's always been inclusive, um, all shapes and sizes, backgrounds, and a particularly high presence of females from the queer community. Um, I have no doubt that there's many male AFL players and athletes who sit somewhere in that LGBTIQ community but don't feel safe and supported to be who they are. And that's such a natural part of women's footy. Everyone at our club gets on with training, having fun and becoming better. We support each other. And for some people, I think being exposed to such an environment where everyone's safe and supported, no matter who they are, may help them come to terms with their own sexual identity. So... I guess I feel personally that the Pride game is for those people, for the men, um, to tell them that it's okay. It's for everyone who's at one time felt unsafe and not supported by their family or their peers or perhaps their teammates. It's for country regions where people from the queer community might feel more isolated and perhaps often hopeless. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Are we allowed to do a round of applause? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the president just showing us how to do it. Just yeah. there, unbelievable. So nice. the pride game is taking place in Hamilton. Why is it in Hamilton? Is that looking? Are you looking, looking at, at you, Annie? <laughs> um, so pretty much, it was um, created by a guy called Charles Beaton, and um, his brother Locke is his identical twin. And Locke came out as gay very, very late in life. And so Charles has sort of made it, you know, his life's ambition to prove to his brother how accepting he is and make, you know, making the world a more comfortable space for his brother to live. So Charles um, contacted me knowing I was a Hamilton resident once upon a time and I grew up there. And, yeah, we had a chat about what we could do and this is kind of what we've come up with. Um, Obviously there's that saying... Um, nothing about us without us. And so I feel being that I'm um, married in a heterosexual monogamous relationship, um, I'm just here to help set up the equipment and sometimes I come (laughs) in and do a podcast. (laughs) But, um, yeah, it's definitely going to be um, the voices of of the people affected that will be running it. um, But the reason that it is in Hamilton is... The mental health space around country areas is, um, you know, people are at higher risk than in metro areas. And then if you throw on top of that LGBTQI, obviously those people either migrate to the city or they stay there silently or if they do come out, often they face adversity. But 
we're trying to show that actually country towns and um, people in farming communities and whatever backgrounds, um, there are lots of strong allies and that it should be a comfortable place to live for everyone. And, you know, like the country people have this saying of a fair go and I think that we want to show that it is a fair go for all and tackle those issues head on. And also I just want to add in that um, with this it is a pride and inclusion game and the women, you know, women's AFL that has come about this year is obviously a hot topic and it's also not just about LGBTQI, it's also about challenging gender roles because growing up in the country, like, I saw women routabouting sheep, I saw them doing really manual labour, like, we were talking just before about... um, women wanting to do a physical sport, Mm. well, gosh, you only have to go to the country to see what Mm. women are capable of. They're running farms and sometimes by themselves. And I think that the country country people should be so proud of what women in the country do. And so, you know, having the women's teams down there, we're really honoured to highlight also women in country areas. Alicia, have you noticed the players taking this, the mantle of inclusion and really running with it. They all seem to be handling the pressure and you've got 16 AFLW superstars that mm. play at Darabin. Have you noticed that they just kind of have taken this role model role and run with it? Yeah, absolutely. Charles came and spoke to us after training last week and a lot of the girls were really moved and it was a great opportunity for all our senior players at our club to hear about what we're doing. And I guess... For our girls who've been drafted, it's at this amazing time where finally women's sport is getting this recognition and they've got this opportunity to do so. But they've always been role models at our club. It's always been an inclusive space. It's not like we, after training, watch Ellen and pat our cats. Like, it's not... <laughs> you do, don't you? Know? you? <laughs> yeah, Emma knows. Um, it's not even a thing. You know, we yeah. don't, you wouldn't even know someone's um, sexual identity. It's just not even a thing in women's sport. And I guess we've always had a really safe, supportive environment at our club. So for a lot of people who've moved from the country um, or they might have grown up in the city where it's supportive, being at our club and lots of clubs, it's a great space for them to become who they are. And at our club, you might have these superstars on TV or playing football, but then at our club, they're picking up dog poo. They are taking home smelly bibs. They help. Name names, yeah. Leash. Name names. <laughs> All of them. Um, they help run water. And it's not because it's going to be on social media or that we ask them to. That's just who they are. Um, so sport and team sport provides an environment for people to become well-grounded humans. You know, and, and women and girls are exposed to these role models, seeing them do everyday things and being amazing in real life, not just on social media. So that we are provided with a space and an opportunity to play this pride game. It's not about being gay or straight or somewhere in between. It's just about it being a great space mm. for everyone. Yeah, inclusive mm. is, like, you know, definitely part of it. Yeah. Anyone that doesn't f- feel that they've necessarily fit in, like I was, oh, God, here I go. I was, <laughs> I was a vegan growing up in a country town where the main, you know, export is, like, animal products. So, I mean, there was definitely part of my life where I was feeling that I was a little bit different and um, you know it's just about letting everyone get on with living their lives and I keep going back to if we have more healthy and happy people it creates a more prosperous community Mm. so you don't actually 
whether or not you agree with certain things, um, more ha- happy and healthy people mean a more prosperous community that you can also benefit from and that, you know, then everyone's living their best life. Sorry, now I'm Thanks, starting Oprah. to sound like, yeah, I was just going to sound, Oprah, Ellen, whatever. <laughs> I think, um, you know, when we're thinking about inclusion across a lot of different areas in this country, whether it's um, sexuality, whether it's race, um, whether it's gender, whether it's disability, one of the barriers is that if you're not in that particular community or you're not affected by it, you don't think it means anything to you. And I think what I'm loving hearing about is how a space like a footy club can show a little snapshot of what the rest of the world could be like. Um, I heard Anita Heiss talk about how sometimes when you're talking about race, it's really difficult when people always come to you for the answers and that there should be an expectation that people try and find answers for themselves and do a little bit of exploration. That's something that you seem to do, Annie. I think whenever you talk about different areas, it really comes across that nothing about us without us. Mm. Is that something that just came naturally to you or is that something you work at or do you, you know, go and find different people to talk to? I definitely um, would say I work at it. Like you don't just, like I don't just grow up in the country being blonde-haired woman um, that's, you know, very comfortable, like middle class and then just know it. Like if you're not affected by it, it's pretty easy to ignore it. But, yeah, I've had to reach out and definitely learn it. When it comes to, like, footy clubs and um, things like that, I I sometimes, I don't know, I scratch my head because I often hear people saying, why has football become so political and things like that? And, you know, why do we have the Indigenous round and why do we have a Pride round now? And, oh, it's so political. And I'm like, well, no, it's... It's people's lives and when, I don't know, when we had Prem twins and they wanted Liam to play at his best, they supported us. That was our family. So when people might be Indigenous and a big part of their life is um, the adversity that they face, the AFL is tackling it to get the best out of them, even in terms of football, not just in terms of um, being role, role models. And same with the LGBTQI community and the Pride Round that they're doing. I'm really bloody proud of them because this is not a little thing. And now we've got the AFL women's in and there are so many now speaking out. You know, it's, it is part of their life. And if you want them to play good football, you've got to have all of them. When it, we shouldn't just be accepting that people suck up part of their life Mm -hmm. just so that they can you know let your team win I just think that's pretty pathetic Um, but yeah definitely I've had to work on it and I had to do a lot of research and I think it's very capable for people to do now like we have the internet like you honestly just don't have any excuse completely agree (laughs) do you feel like there is I mean it does seem like there are a lot of AFL men's players um, Mm. out there getting behind the cause and and being really sort of public about that Mm. Do you feel a, a sense of a real shift that mm. will actually allow for that someone to feel safe enough to come out at some point? Yeah, I do. I really do. I think that it's really good. Like um, there was um, Angie Green, who's going to be on the panel um, uh, on the day, has a charity called Stand Up Events, and it's about gender and LGBTQI pride, particularly in sport. And she has definitely got lots of AFL 
particularly men's um, allies, um, because I suppose she's trying to create a really safe space for someone to finally come out in the men's AFL. Um, one probably one problem that I do have with it is they get pat on the back so much, mm. and yet like there are people like women's players that came out, and I just feel like it was a less of a thing, and they actually are from the community, and mm. I just find that very confusing. I think that it's so good that they're creating a space and saying, yeah, like we should be including people and letting people just live their lives. But um, when they're getting extra pats on the back for doing it, I kind of do feel a little bit uncomfortable, with, particularly when there are people from the community that have been speaking out for a long time and they really don't get the kudos, like mm. the big male men. You just mentioned that Angie Green, who, she's our homegirl. I we know. love her so love much Angie. here. Um, that she's going to be on the panel. Yep. What other things are going to be happening on the Daily? Obviously, um, Darabin is going to play Melbourne Uni, which is going to be massive. <laughs> yeah. And it hasn't been, it's been an interesting season so far. Yeah. Everyone mm. was expecting, I think they're expecting very big things from the Falks. And well, there's been a lot going on down the, there. Yeah, it's been a challenging year for us, I guess. And, you know, with joy that we had 16 girls drafted and actually two coaches working at AFLW clubs. And so a lot of our natural leaders who are around the club, usually at pre-season showing people new girls the Darabin way, weren't there, which was also positive. We had new leaders step up, but we're still not a full um, VFL side. So we've still got girls who are resting from injuries, taking a break and might be back in the next few weeks. So it has been challenging and also great that there's a lot of competition this year in VFL and we're looking forward to a great game against Melbourne Uni. And Laura, who's the president of Melbourne Uni, is a bit of an ally for me. we both female presidents of successful women's VFL teams, I guess, <laughs> um, and talking about just community club and all the things that we share that are challenging and positive. So it's going to be a great day girls from both teams are going to be running an Auskick clinic in Hamilton and we're all going down on a bus um <laughs> I organized not the team on one bus two buses two buses I got two buses for you see this is where I just do the behind the scenes work and then I get you guys to step up and do the real <laughs> stuff. I organise buses. It's so embarrassing. Yeah. There's Not been... driving the bus, though, are you? No, Annie? I'm okay. vision impaired, so that would be a, a really big issue. I, that, yeah. Oh, well. um, there's lots of great things happening in yeah. Hamilton. You can see on social media, shops are putting up, you know, rainbow stickers and yeah. signs and saying they're supportive and there's local stories coming out about people in the community coming out and I think that that is the kind of traction we were hoping for from this event and hopefully this could become, you know, an annual thing and maybe it goes around Australia. I don't know. The opportunities are there for lots of clubs to come on board. I think that this is the first time that something this big, well, actually really at all, has happened in a country town so far from a metro centre. So it's like something to be really, really proud of. Um, this is, yeah, a first. Um, there's a, a lot of um, local people that have just started initiatives themselves. So obviously we have the, we've got the women's coming down to play and then we've got the local seniors team. So we've got Hamilton playing, South Warrnambool playing on the day and Hamilton will be, their tops have been changed to rainbow mm. colours. Oh. So, um, you know, men adult men in the community wearing rainbow tops. It's 
pretty cool. But there's lots of local people that have started their own things. So we have a fun run in the morning. I I was so like when Charles told me that I was like yay but I don't run <laughs> damn it but okay I'll be there because it's for a cause all right um but yeah and then obviously all the shops have definitely decked out all of their stuff the local newspaper just keeps um writing stories on people like incredible stories of you know in- incredibly heartbreaking stories too and owning it like going, look, this is what people are going through and, you know, the reporting has actually been fantastic. Wow. It is – I, like, get all, like, emotional about it. Excuse me. I, like, I just – to think of um, the people that I knew growing up, like, so many of them gay and that felt that they had to leave to save their sanity and kind of their lives and now watching how the community has evolved is just incredible and I just don't think that – Everyone, you know, that's not affected by it quite understands, like, the impact that they have, yeah, on, on – this is, like, literally people's lives, mm-hmm. literally. Um, it will be extraordinary to see this country town yeah. come to life with all the colours of the rainbow. Thank you so much for both of you for coming in and huge props as well to Charles for pulling yeah. this together and um, we haven't forgotten him in the scheme no. of things but we were all just so excited to get our mitts on both of you. So thank you for coming in today. Also, just sorry, um, I'll just quickly mention that there is a panel on the day that um, Charles has set up. So the women's is playing and then the seniors' men's is playing. But before all that, there's a luncheon and there's 160 seats. The tickets are for sale. Um, There's a place called Alexandra House in Hamilton that you can buy a ticket from. We've got two panels. We've got one that's a football panel and um, some experts and footy players. We have to... Wait and see which BFL women's player is injured, which is awful. Because, yeah, whoever's injured gets to be on the panel. Um, So it's really bad when I'm like sort of, oh, no, I'm not cheering for anyone to be injured. But, yeah, um, and then there's like an LGBTQI panel and some really, really emotional stories, Um, people that have lived in country areas, um, farmers, um, all that sort of stuff, telling their stories and it's going to be a tearjerker, but I think that we're going to balance it with some laughs because um, Tegan Higginbotham is going to be doing the emceeing on the day. So, yeah. Fantastic. Thank you so much for coming in today, guys. We will put all the details on our um, social media, as I'm sure you all will as well. Thank you. And best of luck for it. Go muggers (laughs) and fouls. (laughs) Hope it's a draw. And then like this big rainbow just fills the sky. Yeah, exactly. Thanks so much for coming in today. Thanks, Alicia. And thank you, Annie. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. No, thanks, thanks so ladies. much. And how cool is this all-female podcast? Yeah. <laughs> Go you. It was lovely uh, to have a really healthy and inclusive and sunshiny chat about pride and inclusion, especially this week. Okay, I want to talk about when sports people do things off the field or off the court. 
or off the arena, or off the Margaret Court arena um, that have happened this week. I've been following this Margaret Court stuff pretty closely, and it's been alarming, I suppose. I, I believe everyone has a right to free speech, but I do query it when I think that the speech has detrimental effects on children and people who might be in a really fragile state of mind. And I think it was Casey Delacqua who said, mm. Enough, Margaret. Enough is enough. And I feel mm. like we're all now saying, Enough is enough, Margaret. But how do you guys feel about the concept of changing the name of Margaret Court Arena in light of the fact that she has been quite open in saying that she doesn't support people who have an alternate lifestyle to her own? Lucy? My issue with the marriage equality debate broadly is that when people talk about I have a right to an opinion, I completely agree. You do have a right to an opinion. But when that opinion impinges on somebody else's rights, that's where I have an issue with it. And the problem is that we're denying rights to a whole section of the community. And nobody is telling Margaret Court she needs to marry a woman. And in the same, you know, she can say she doesn't like it, but we're a secular country. Um, Atheists can get married. We don't have to get married in churches. And so I think that religious doctrine just needs to get put to one side. And if if you believe in it, great. The problem I have is with a sporting icon like Margaret Court speaking out is that that has an impact. And we know that people look up to sporting role models. And when she invokes her status as a sporting legend to hammer home her point, then for me, it isn't off limits. And I know for a very long time, I've found it problematic looking at Margaret Court Arena as the name on that arena because I've known what her views have been and and I don't feel comfortable with it. And I'm not somebody who um, has my rights taken away because of my sexuality. So I think it is up for debate. Mm. It's interesting. Like, I think there are a number of people who would say that... um, sports people shouldn't be also held up as role models and expected to have uh, expected to kind of participate in discussions in public life and political issues and social and cultural issues but I think the important thing with Margaret Court as you say Lucy is that she um, did invoke her tennis prowess she's she's really the most successful um, tennis player of all time in terms of her grand slam wins but Look, I think it's interesting because in a way it echoes broader debates that happen outside of sport too about what we do when uh, an important historic figure who might be recognised in certain ways, then over time we come to realise that actually they they were flawed in some respects. And those debates take place all over the world. And, and in the last couple of years... One example of this has been a debate about Cecil Rhodes, who uh, is the person who, of course, is um, the Rhodes Scholar. Ship is named after, among other things. And there's a statue of Cecil Rhodes at, at Oxford University and a campaign over the last couple of years by students to remove it was rejected in 2016 by Oxford. And I just wanted to share something from this because I think it's it's really interesting. So one of the people who campaigned for the removal of that statue was a guy called Brian Quober. And he said this, that, you know, Rhodes had been responsible for all manner of things, including massacring tens of thousands of black Africans, imposing a regime of unspeakable labour exploitation in the diamond mines and also devising proto-apartheid policies. He said Cecil Rhodes is the Hitler of Southern Africa. Would anyone countenance a statue of Hitler? The fact that Rhodes is still memorialised with statues, plaques and buildings demonstrates the size and strength of Britain's imperial blind spot. 
And I listened to a discussion about this that was just brilliant a few weeks ago on a podcast that I'm fully obsessed with at the moment. I know MZ is as well. That's Russell Brand's um, new podcast called Under the Skin, where he interviews academics and philosophers. And he interviewed a professor by the name of Paul Gilroy, who's a, an African-American scholar who's an expert in colonial history. And he said, well, look, people who would take issue with statues or monuments to historic figures would say that if we get rid of the monument, we're, you know, they say that uh, we're accusing them of trying to rewrite or erase mm. history. And actually, we need to acknowledge that history. And he said that what we should instead do is something like adorn subversively a statue mm. of um, Cecil Rhodes. And I think an artist actually did something like this in Bristol where they decorated that statue in African headdress and colours and so on in a very subversive way, which s neither denies a complex history of a controversial figure nor celebrates them but actually complicates that history. <laughs> and so I wonder whether we adore we Margaret Court Arena Margaret with Court rainbow, rainbow flags. flags. Well, that's what I'm thinking is yeah. that, that we have actually a tennis competition, a, a pride kind of championship um, mm. out on Margaret Court and I'm going to bet she'd actually want to withdraw her name from the – and then that takes a lot of the challenge away from it. But either way, it's an opportunity to learn it and to have the conversation which does need to be had. Felicity had a really interesting – um, perspective that you heard about this. Yeah, it, I was reading a article and it was from Billie Jean King talking about the whole controversy and what struck me was every point was really relevant. Then I realised it was dated 2012. So wow. this has all happened before. Mm. This, and what Billie Jean King, as a openly gay woman, came out and said is that, you know, Margaret Court has an opinion and, you know, nobody has to agree with her opinion. She said, in her view, the biggest tragedy or travesty about the Margaret Court arena is that the tennis authorities here named Court 3 after her. They said, you know, she is the greatest tennis player mm. Australia's ever had and, you know, has a better record than Rod Laver. And Rod Laver gets sent to court <laughs> and Margaret Court got Court 3. And she said, you know, it's actually an affront to all women. And I just thought, what a gracious view from, mm. you, you know, if Billie Jean can stand back and say, let's just look at the tennis merits here. You know, I, I kind of... You know, I, I understand that an, a stadium is meant to be an inclusive, safe place to go and that's troubling that, you know, her name's on it. But in the same way that she has the right to boycott Qantas, mm. um, she doesn't have the right to change the name of it. And I feel like people mm. have the right to say, well, I'm not going to play on yeah. Margaret Court Arena, um, you know, and I will boycott it in that, that regard. But I think the name it's political is from to start a whole with. other, yeah. yeah, a whole other criteria. It's interesting because Margaret Court Arena, the actual arena who has a Twitter account, came out and separated themselves from those comments. Exactly. And it makes me think what she's saying is not new. She's been saying mm. this for a very long time. It's been publicised a lot this week. Mm. But um, I would imagine that they were very well aware of what her views were mm. way before she was given that honour. Exactly. Honor. And look, mm. to be honest, I don't think anyone under the age of about 35 would know who she, know who she was. Like When we're talking about her as a sporting icon and her opinion in terms of children... Um, you know, I think she's just highly irrelevant. But when you come out and and you write open letters and you oh, follow God. it up with lots of interviews, then then it actually does become, mm. you know, people do then know who you are and, and what you're saying. I saw it in a Dimmick's bookshop, the... Um the uh, milk, yeah. all the memoirs, the um, Margaret Court ones, were all turned spine in, so you couldn't actually. See, someone had gone through and done that with all of her books, so that you couldn't see it. It sparks spine. debate, and if this is where debate can happen, it's actually a, not a bad place for it to happen, don't you think? Yeah, yeah, and I think I can't leave the episode without mentioning the love of my life, 
Andy Murray, who um, <laughs> who came out yesterday and said that uh, one way or the other, he said there's some angst in the locker room about this and that one way or the other, Tennis Australia needs to resolve it before the Australian Open in January because there's a chance of a revolt. So I think watch this space. How about mm. Australia just resolves it? Yeah. Let's yes, just... Yes. Get on with it. Government change the law and then we're good to go. <laughs> exactly. It's hard. It's so hard we've on. just finished the football podcast talking about tennis. And just for the record, I love ladies' tennis. I'm just putting it out there. I, I love, love it. ladies' tennis too. Love I love it, it better than men's. And if you haven't seen Serena Williams dancing in Beyonce's film clip before, I'm not sorry. <laughs> Do yourself a favour, my friends, and Google it today. Thank you so much for joining us and um, have a great Thursday night footy. Don't forget your footy tips. By the time you're listening to this, you're probably going... Oh, I totally <laughs> forgot because Thursday night footy creeps up on you. Thanks for joining us again and go footy. Go footy. Bye. Bye. Thanks, kiddo. <laughs> <laughs>